Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm the Head of Marketing and Production at the Open Data Institute. Uh, welcome, and I hope that wherever you're based, your day isn't looking as dreary as it here, is here in, in East London. Um, it's my real pleasure today to welcome Julian Tate, co-founder and CEO of Open Data Manchester. Um, Open Data Manchester is a not-for-profit organisation that helps organisations and communities understand and use data. In 2020, Open Data Manchester set out to discover whether a cooperative, uh, sorry, data cooperative model could be developed that would enable organisations and communities to collect, pool, process, and share data for the member for the benefit of their members. Um, I'm soon going to hand over to Julian, who will discuss some of their findings and what's uh, what's emerged from them. But just a bit of housekeeping before I do, uh, please keep your videos and microphones off um, for the duration of the talk. Um, and we'll be recording today's talk as you'll have as you'll have seen. Um, and if you've got any questions, and please do ask questions, um, please pop them in the chat while Julian's talking as and when you feel inspired to. And at the end of the talk, I will prompt you one by one to read out your questions. Um, and if you'd like me to do that on your behalf, please let me know and I'd be happy to read, read them out for you. Um, lovely. So uh, over to you then, Julian. Hello, everybody. As has um, just been described, I'm, I'm Julian Tate from Open Data Manchester, and I'm really pleased to be able to share some insight into what we've been doing recently. So um, without further ado, I'm going to attempt to share my screen. Hopefully it will all work. Can everybody see that? Yeah? Yes, we can. Excellent. Right. Um, so I think briefly, um, as has just been said, um, I just want to give you a little bit of background to who we are. Um, we've been, uh, we're based in Manchester, obviously, uh, but we do work further afield and we do uh, work collaboratively with lots of different organisations, wherever they are. And I think our, our kind of mission is to kind of, the, the idea that the, the data should be used um, to make the world a fairer place and, and uh, should promote equity and we should be using data uh, ethically. And so we support organisations and communities to do that. And we've been really interested in cooperative principles for some time. Um, I think it was back in 2012, um, we first started looking at whether co-ops uh, could actually, as, as, a, as a structure, a governance structure, could actually start to manage um, people's data because we were starting to see that kind of the, the exploitative practices, the over-extraction of people's data people's data and we ran quite a few workshops around that trying to understand uh, whether there could be some a certain kind of overlaps and, and I think actually un, what underpins a lot of cooperation as, 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 a, as a structure is that there are kind of these these kind of principles um, seven common cooperative principles and um, I also have a dog um and uh, my son's just arrived home and he's got a shout but uh, bear with me um and the um we have the seven cooperative principles and i think these these do kind of overlap on potentially what a uh, an equitable data organization could do 
the idea that they're voluntary and they have an open membership. So, so the idea that they're open to all people who use the services and willing to accept the responsibilities of, of the cooperative. I mean, they're democratic and all members should be able to participate in some way. Um, they also have, should have a certain amount of autonomy and independence. And I think what is really interesting with regards to the cooperative as a structure is that the, um, they should have a, um, a, a function where they educate and train and, and allow people to be fully informed when they participate within the, within the cooperative. And also there's this kind of um, the idea that cooperatives will try and naturally cooperate with, with each other, which brings around wider society benefit. In fact, kind of 10% of the, the world's population is involved in some kind of cooperative uh, or other, whether it's actually actively within or actually use cooperative services. So this is quite interesting. So we find this very interesting. So as uh, stated that um, in 2020 we started working with a an energy cooperative um, or an energy reduction cooperative I suppose in a way in a way uh, in Manchester trying to see whether whether data the data that they collect and the data that their members hold can actually enable them to create better services and actually help reduce the the, the carbon footprint of of the membership and develop new ways to to save to to kind of to combat climate change what was really interesting about the cooperative structure is is that people who were in that in that cooperative already were already aligned with with a particular purpose and actually, if you start to look at energy um, as as a kind of use case, as, as, a, as, a, as a with the kind of the idea of what kind and look at look at what kind of data is being created, you can actually see that we with our energy usage, we can actually we actually reveal quite a lot about ourselves. And so, to have some kind of protective structure that enables um, members to understand that that kind of what data is shared, because behaviours can be inferred from it, I, we, th we think is re really, really important and was one of the drivers of the, of, the, of the work that we did. And we did this as a kind of co-design process. So we're working with the membership to, to help them understand raising capacity. So, they, so everybody was on a fairly similar level when we started to work out how we were going to build, build this data cooperative, what we needed to. So simply um and i think it's really really good to look at this this as a kind of take it back to basics and, and then then kind of expand out it's, it's like the, the cooperative um the data cooperative will already have a membership and also and kind of by being in the data cooperative they're also they're they're already consenting to some kind of data sharing um data sharing um within that and that might be for um for um, development of new services, or it might be to share to a, th to a third party. And how we see the data cooperative, the, the, the member or the, or the actual cooperative itself um, decides on what conditions it will, they will share the data. So um, a lot of the things that we're looking at were about kind of what types of entities we will be willing to share data with, the ethos, policies, reputation, impact, purpose, and value. And these are quite, um hard to define kind of categories and and we'll get into that a little bit bit later and once that process has been done then the data then the, then the uh, member will share share data with the cooperative and the cooperative holds that in in a kind of secure way 
So when we get to the get to the, the situation where the, a data user comes along, which may be an energy company, or it may be maybe some other, um, it may be somebody actually within the cooperative. If they fulfil the criteria that's been set by that person, then through some kind of matching and verification of, of what has happened, that data user will receive the data. So, so that's the kind of the, the simple concept of a very, very simple data cooperative. But there is an underlying complexity as with all these things, because if it was that simple, uh, people would have done it already. There are cooperatives that already exist. So people are doing it already. So we're by no means the first. So the exercise of, of as part of that that kind of co-design working was trying to kind of understand what kind of data that the, the people hold and also what what are the data flows within the cooperative so if we start with the idea that the um the cooperative contains membership so the the, the cooperative actually is a is a membership and so the data cooperative could exist in one form where where members of that cooperative um, donate or, or that allow data to be collected by that cooperative. So, so in essence, this is a very basic basic flow. The data just is, is contained within the structure of the cooperative. And in fact, that's kind of how carbon cooperative is working. And many cooperatives work at the moment. The data is actually um, contained within the within the organization and is and is kind of is dead data really it's used for the purposes such as a membership um database or or just kind of an energy usage for a project but it doesn't really go any further so the value is not returned to the to mem to the members or the cooperative itself then we get to the idea that we have a um the the, the data can actually flow with it with actually within the cooperative so there may be a member of the cooperative, especially within the example of the of carbon carb, may be developing or trying to create mitigations to, um, or they're trying to do some kind of work on their on their place where they live, such as kind of uh, insulation or double glazing, triple glazing, or whatever. But they don't know quite how it works and quite what the performance, what would they be getting um, if they do that work, and. By the data cooperative could enable that sharing of information or sharing of data amongst the membership if certain criteria are met. Then there's this, this notion that you could kind of then expand it out. So you could have federated flows. So you could have so you could see that aligned organizations, aligned cooperatives could start to share data um, if they had a similar, similar ethos. So an example could be a, a cooperative that is a micro-generation cooperative that may have small-scale um, solar, wind power, or, or hydro that you sometimes uh, that you sometimes which do already exist. They kind of might match up with a um, a consumer cooperative or a, a, a energy user cooperative where people are co pooling together so that they can then buy energy at a, at a cheaper rate by sharing data um, that can allow a certain kind of load balancing and a, and a closer relationship between those and, and, they, and they can both benefit from that. There is this idea of a third party flow so that the, the cooperative could share 
in almost in the way that data is shared already, where it licenses out the data that's held within the cooperative. Obviously, certain criteria have to be met, but that relationship is more of a kind of a license where the, the value is defined such as you pay X for this, or you, you provide certain services for this, or this goes towards a certain kind of piece of research, and it, and it tends to be very, very defined. And lastly, um, working with the group, we, we kind of identified there was this kind of the creation of the data commons or creating open data. So the, 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 the data cooperative, the carbon cooperative itself, is obviously trying to, to, to decarbonize um, our economy, trying to um, reduce the impacts of climate change. And so by creating a common resource of data that may be useful to others to, to use, could be seen as being certain value, as long as it aligns, aligns with the cooperative aims. So they're the kind of data flows, but people have to kind of work out the whole process of consent um, is, is a little bit more challenging. And actually, we all know how onerous the kind of the cookie consents that we get when we, when we browse the internet. Most people actually kind of just kind of click because they, 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 they can't, they don't have the time to kind of, Unclick all the options when it when a cookie um, a cookie pop up uh, comes up, and actually that is no that so so basically that system doesn't work. But we kind of looked at whether the idea of if people were sharing data, would people want to have granular consent? And actually, as I said, that doesn't work. It becomes too onerous. People either don't engage, and also um, so consent is just is misapplied. Also, if for every data request or every type of data that the cooperative could potentially handle had to be handled that way, it would it would fall apart because you would kind of trying to get consent from it from each of the each of the members to share. So it looks kind of group based um, consent. So it's kind of arch using archetypes or personas. So a person like this would share this type of data and people could actually align with that. And if any other requests came in, an assessment was made. And depending on those kind of those those permissions that had already been um, been granted to the persona, then that that data could then get shared. It would make the process more efficient. And then we kind of looked at kind of a very basic traffic like consent where um, it's very permissive where as long as the cooperative seems the cooperative uh, deems it um, right to share data then they don't mind that happening um, people could have it more controlled which creates a granular kind of consent mechanism which we as we know is very very onerous or they just want to share data within the cooperative so they so each has a different impacts and, diff and different outcomes with regards to how the data cooperative could work. And actually talking within the groups, there seemed to be quite an appetite to share data if it was aligned to the, to the purposes of the cooperative. And so the whole assessment process is really important with regards to that. So we come to, so we come to governance. So how the, how is that, how is that data sharing assessed and how is, how is the cooperative actually managed? So we went down this this kind of very kind of quite a circuitous and labyrinthine route actually um, because data is obviously data the, there's potential that that many requests could come in and, and different types of data may may be requested all the time and to actually govern that might actually be 
problematic, especially if people had different types of preferences with, that were set to allow sharing. So we kind of looked at these kind of these kind of more automated kind of data flows if certain criteria were met, as was described in the first slides. If certain conditions were met, then that would allow the data to flow. The setting of the conditions would be defined by the cooperative. So there's the idea so that so the membership, the people involved with cooperative would define how the what conditions needed to be met, which would obviously align with the purposes of that cooperative. To make this to make that process more efficient, these kind of rules would then be uh, the when that would then enable an algorithm to actually share the data. And this was this was this was really interesting because the the process that we that, that we, we defined even had logic and people could understand it. I mean, there was obviously certain concerns with certain bits because obviously when you're trying to define um, things that are based on values, there is a lot of discussion. But what but the the main area of concern actually was about if this process was automated. So various safeguards had to be put in place. People want to see. There had to be proved that this would work. So people would want to see the whole system working manually. And if they felt confident with the system working manually, then they could perhaps incrementally move over to a more automated system. But they had to see that this, 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 this algorithm worked and it had to be audited. It had to be... Um, they had to see that it was working with intolerances and people would need to, would want to see um, who it was sharing sharing data in and under what under what conditions another um, another complexity was how do you how do you assess organizations who who want to use your data the energy market although it's, it's obviously becoming more simplified as more energy providers um, collapse um, is is complex, and there are many many organisations who want to use health, want to use energy data. Health organisations are one of them. There are a number of projects around around the country which are looking at uh, the that behavioural data that, that comes from energy usage to, to to see whether people, especially vulnerable people, are need some kind of attention or care, fuel poverty, etc. There's many 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 ethical issues around this. I'm not 100% sure I entirely agree with them. But the whole process of actually defining the criteria for sharing is really, really important, but can be quite onerous. The example that we looked at was there's a magazine called Ethical Consumer Magazine, which does all these kinds of audits. And it is a very, very long and, and painful process. But this could happen and um, a, a system could be set up. And then we look at a, a kind of the different types of different types of models within a cooperative. So when we were looking at the carbon co-op, we were initially looking at what's called a well a flat structure, a single class of, of stakeholders. So basically everybody had parity, everybody had uh, an equal vote within the organization, and they decided who the officers were of the organization and those officers. Uh, were accountable to to those members and that's how democracy and accountability was maintained within that structure and this is actually we think is a really strong element of that 
of the cooperative is that accountability within within that kind of data subject environment so within the single class of stakeholder so that within the single stakeholder environment you would have people who would um as as shown earlier would select kind of the way that would decide collectively decide on the ways that data was shared or the mechanism to share data they would they would that the uh cooperative would um collect that data and then depending on if the cooperative decided it would then or or the systems put in place the, the cooperative would share that data outside the cooperative and that accountability would be maintained but the world is a little bit messier than that and we've been looking or we've been talking um especially in, in greater manchester and we started to see it in other in other places as well the idea of the idea of different classes of people and when i say classes i i think i'm not using the strict sense of it's the certain kind of uh, definitions, especially within types of cooperatives and different organisations or structures about classes. And it's about power and, and, and voting rights, etc. But there's, but we're looking at civic data cooperatives. Can you can you enable responsible regeneration through better data sharing? So obviously the property developers have a certain certain power and certain agenda um local communities also also have have needs and want to see things done it responsibly in a certain way the local authority has a certain responsibility utilities have a responsibility and it's about is it possible in the need that especially within within regeneration can an organization be set up that has kind of different classes so within here, we've got a kind of closed environment, the two class multi-stakeholder environment. So you've got people, so maybe organizations who would traditionally be very powerful and say communities or individuals. And the, the, the democracy would be maintained by allocation of vote share. So perhaps certain, certain parties or certain classes would only have a certain proportion of votes. Therefore, that's how information gets shared that's how that's how the data gets shared that's how the, the the running of the cooperative gets shared what we see also what we kind of see when talking to people who've been involved in with cooperative development is that actually the data cooperative mimic, mimics or over overlays the real world it's not replicating any structure as such it's just overlaying and then we have um a more more intriguing type of cooperative structure which is still a a, a multi-stakeholder cooperative it's where you have data subjects and data users so you might have organizations who don't who who don't want to donate data but they have an interest in how don't how data um, how the data is supplied and they could be part of that cooperative as well so we don't see that we haven't really seen any multi-stakeholder cooperatives as far as data cooperatives are concerned, but we have seen, we do see them, um, especially within healthcare, with providing community services, especially in Italy and Canada. And I, I know there's more that's further afield, where you have service providers, you have data, you have the the users of the service, and they're all within the same same cooperative, and there is a, that is democratically controlled. So it can exist. It exists in the real world, but not necessarily in the data world. And it's the role of the cooperative and the governance structure to enable that to be handled equitably. I think more interesting, more more interestingly, um, 
is this is is how these things can scale. I mean, we see that um, the cooperative movement is there are some very large cooperatives. I mean, the cooperative uh, cops UK or, or the cooperative group is a very large cooperative. In fact, some of the largest organisations in the world are cooperatives, especially when you look at the um, some of the agricultural agri agrarian cooperative federations in India. Um, Got the name of one of them, but uh, it might come to me later. But what we what we find interesting about about the federated model is when you're starting to look at supply chain and visibility of the supply chain. So we were talk, so we've been talking to a, a an organisation based in India who was quite interested in how informal or invisible workers who were generally exploited. Could be made visible through a cooperative structure they were very very vulnerable they might already be um they might already be um convening as as a collective or a cooperative but they were they were invisible and said they 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 were they were exploited and whether visibility in the supply chain may may uh, create more accountability especially when we have greater awareness of where uh, where goods come from uh clothing um electronics etc and some of that still in, involves that informal informal supply chain and how can that be represented so we have the kind of as i've described you have kind of data providers data provider cooperatives multi-staker or, or single single stakeholder etc you know, data users etc and they supply data to a an aggregation cooperative and that under various governance rules will allow that data to be shared. So a data user might be a, an end, um, might be a retailer or, or something at the, at the end of the pipeline that needs to, to audit the trail of, of, needs to audit their supply chain. Or they might have um, NGOs or government who want to use the data to see how these, these, this structure is performing and whether any any kind of change needs to be made within legislation or support etc so you have those those kind of data flows going into the cooperatives but also there is this governance of the cooperative so you can have a scaled governance so that each of the cooperatives that is involved is actually also um, has some kind of democratic stake in the the actual the aggregation cooperative and data users can also have a stake in it as well they need to see that that the, the data that's being provided is is how they want it but the but the safeguard is that the actual the data providers or the data providers actually have the controlling controlling say i mean the proportions that are here are, are just kind of fairly fairly academic but but you can see how those that balancing of that power can can actually work and also the cooperative itself, because it has to manage all that data, can actually then have a, a role in supporting the development of data standards, um, data governance and accountability within those organisations so that they can, uh, so, so that they feel as though they're all kind of working together. And so that's generally how these things can, these, these, we think these things can progress. So tackling this, we, we've kind of over the last year or so, um, especially after the ODA, ODI project, we've developed a data cooperative 
working group to, to look at some of these some of these issues. This is an open open group, and I have my email address at the end. Uh, if you're interested in in participating in it, in it please do. It's it's quite international, uh, so we've got uh, people from India, uh, Korea, uh, US, um, Europe, etc., and they're all looking at. at whether cooperatives can solve some of the problems that they face within their own communities. There's a lot of researchers as well. Um, the, the next one has not been set because the group's deciding what it, when it will be, what time it will be. And because it's hosted by different partners, so everybody will actually be similarly inconvenienced. Um, it might be at eight o'clock in the morning, it might be at seven o'clock at night, or it might be um, 12 o'clock. Um, but how we're working on, the, on this is we kind of, we, we're posing questions and then as as groups we're working kind of sprints to examine these and we come back and then we go on to another we start tackling another issue so if that's interested of interest to you there's a bitly link there which shows the progress log of the of the, of the working group it's all open so we're doing it so we're hosting it but we're hosting it with the Aptie institutes in bangalore but anybody else who wants to help host it is more than welcome it's totally open and so thank you very much that's me. There's details, and uh, hope to hear your questions. Thank you so much, uh, Julian. A really interesting talk. Um, if you'd like to submit a question, I can see there's one here already. Uh, please submit them in the chat. And as I said earlier, I'll go through them one by one, and either you can read it out or ask me to. Completely up to you. Um, I've actually got a question to kick off with, Julian, and. Um, I was looking at the sort of case study on the ODI website around your work with Carbon Co-op. And I noticed that one of the key sort of lessons learned from it is that it's easy to convey the, the general function and purpose of data cooperative models, but explaining the details of how it's governed and how those processes are managed is hard and takes time. And I just wondered whether you found since then, uh, whether you found any effective ways of doing this. Um. I, th I think that, I think the way is to. Uh, I think the challenge we have, and we and we spoke about this with regards to the supply chain cooperatives, especially when you're talking about um, people who may be exploited and living living in precarity, and and, and they're kind of it's understanding data may be the the least of their concerns and so it's kind of it's, it has to be explained with kind of well what does this mean how does this affect me which can be sometimes quite abstract and intangible itself but i think also also with regards to the work that we did um we understand we know and i think this is part of the whole cooperative model anyway is that you have to empower people to understand what is going what is going on how things are being used and i think that's that kind of where the, the cooperative structure over some of the other structures, data custodian st structures actually kind of wins in a sense because it's it's there for its membership, it's controlled by its membership and therefore to be informed, to make to make choices that have the valuable choices that and have agency, you, you do need to raise that kind of understanding once your membership. Thank you, cheers Julian. Uh, we've got a question here from Fergus. Uh, Fergus, would you like to read it out yourself? Yes, of course. Yeah. Hi, Julian. Uh, fascinating Hi. Uh, half hour there. 
Just, uh, I, I, I'm in and around co-ops a lot, and I just know that the governance is really complex. So, so it's not a simple thing, and everyone has to get so many people engaged with the, with the governance itself. So my so question is around, what's your experiences of the challenges around maintaining the administration resource, so the volunteer time and everything needed? How do you, I, yeah, I'd just be interested to know your experience so far. Yes, they are. They, are, they can be very burdensome and I think actually as cooperatives grow what you do you get I mean there's a thing yeah it's called the, I think they do call it the burden of, of governance and you find that some people will actively participate in everything and some people just just want to know that it's just being run properly and that the um, and if, it, if they're not happy they, they can represent themselves and challenge um i do think um i mean democratic processes can seem to be very onerous it's to it's dependent on how what the membership want really and i, and I think that yeah you could just set up an organization uh, a light touch organization um where you've just got a group of people who then kind of have I suppose the cl a client relationship, and that'll be easier. But we're, we're talking about something more, more. So it is onerous, and also actually the data cooperative. While we're looking at the risks around data cooperatives, it does seem as though one of the most more sustainable ways of running one is that it, or, it augments or overlays an already existing cooperative. So it kind of maps the the already existing business of the that cooperative and therefore borrows some of the governance of that cooperative um yeah all i can say is yes it, it can be it can be onerous and uh, that's no, thanks and i think the that that um the ability to yeah to, to try and map it across something else that's existing that so yeah i think that that works so yeah so no thank you Thanks, Fergus. Um, we also have a question from Lawrence. Lawrence, did you want to read out your own question? Sure. Th thanks. Thanks, Julian. Yeah, I mean, you covered quite a lot of different options, and clearly, there's a lot of different variations um, from from governance to sort of how it's how all the sort of parameters are set up. But, and I wonder how you were able to sort of evaluate different options and and come to a view on like what was the best for for carbon carp at one time and i imagine you can look across the landscape and look at what other people are doing but is there any other ways that that we're able to sort of iterate or, or test some of these structures sort of quickly and and then change them or or is it a bit more sort of just take a view and see what happens i, th I think that the whole the work that we did with the ODI, or those that was supported by the ODI, was looking at whether we could actually develop a, a kind of standard model. So if you if you're involved, I mean, people who know who are involved with COPs will know there generally are certain kind of model rules that you can borrow, and that was that was kind of what we were hoping to do. But that is a it's a bigger piece of work. I mean, we were, we were. I think we we're a little bit naive when we started out, but I, but in a way, we were, we were willfully naive because we didn't quite know what we would have to deal with. Um, I think that the um, the way that the 
Sorry, Lawrence, you're going to have to ask me the question again. I've totally lost my, my train of thought. So <laughs> my son's just walked behind, in behind me and he's just kind of distracting me. So that's my excuse. The, the question is just, given that there's lots of different options for how you constructed things, how did you decide which one to pick? Uh, that came through the workshops, actually. Um, so we discussed different ways. So all the, so, so generally, the, unfortunately, I went on with the... With the well, it was, it was it was obvious that this was going to happen. Really, uh, within the cooperative, it was a self-selecting group. So these were people with, who were very engaged, who kind of understood the mechanics of cooperation anyway. And through the, the kind of the workshops where we were looking at different kind of models, this is how these started to become defined. So, so it was a kind of discovery exercise. And I think that the what we what we hadn't quite got to and, and we're still working on with this this cooperative working working group and is looking at the this this notion of this 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 overlaying of already existing organizations um and i think that the i think it's i think that's the most logical way and speaking to carbon co-op um as, as we do it's kind of I think they're more interested in creating that overlay organization or, or augmenting their organization in a sense uh, because i think that the to, to create a cooperative out of out of nothing is quite would be quite a task unless there's huge high value data that exists thank you lawrence um other people feel free to add your questions to the chat but in the meantime I've I've got a question about um uh more broadly um during your explorations Julian whether you explored uh, whether data cooperatives oh sorry how data cooperatives can demonstrate to the data users that what they're doing is trustworthy um and and, and ethical and is are there, are there sort of any any frameworks or any means of get kind of easily being able to show that this data that's being shared between them is be, is being handled in the right way. I, th I think this, um, as as mentioned when we we talked about how um, how we how we set up the, um, the permissions of sharing or the consent. Um, that's which is still, as I say, still a little bit fluid at the moment. Um, you. You, you kind of create a, a you define what, what organizations you'd like to work with. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that came up was within energy was that how do you, um, what's the difference between working with say a green energy company and a company that does green energy it just augments their normally normal business is there any difference and 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 does that would would members of the cooperative want to take a view on that with regards to um how how they they would interact interact with that organization and the cooperative would work that out itself i mean there is no right or right or wrong way they they have to define they have to define that and being part of that whole defining what and what, who, who and who they will and who they won't work with. That's that's perfectly fine, and that's part of the whole kind of democratic governance of the organisation. And you'd want, you'd hopefully you'd want people to participate in that. A lot of people probably won't, but as long as enough people 
enough good people do with who have the interest of the cooperative at, their, at heart then uh, then that should be that should that should work and also this idea that you you kind of create this kind of reports of who you share data with how you shared it etc is quite important thank you uh, julian so uh, just before i um finish up if anyone has any final questions feel free to put your virtual hand up uh and uh speak now okay no doesn't look like we've got any final questions so um thank you oh we've got one just as i was about to move on uh marcel would you like to ask a question you're on mute marcel okay thanks uh thanks julian for the interesting um talk um i have a question about this supply chain example you gave in india um was it an actual project you conducted um and if so like what were your experiences like how how could you kind of yeah have, have a result that um kind of raised the, the the social aspect in the whole supply chain right so this is this is a project we're just in discussion with we're just in discussion with certain certain uh, partners with and i think that the so the challenge so basically what came across was this was it was the challenge of of this kind of visibility so there's there's kind of the demand side need to be more to be more accountable and show that um the the products that they um they sell um and they get produced are done in an ethical way and there's the the, the kind of the, the bottom need in the sense of um better better working rights fairer pay um less abusive working practices etc and it's about how do you protect the vulnerable the people who are vulnerable at the bottom so as part of the project isn't 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 started it's still it's still in discussion but it's it's seeing as perhaps that if you just had some kind of validation process where um the, the people at the, at the bottom who the, the work the workers were just kind of all identified then they'll be they'll, they could be um they could be exploited even further and and there is there is that kind of move to the more more datification of the workforce anyway it's kind of these kind of validation of supply chains and stuff like that and so because within within these kind of producer um worker kind of environments there are these kind of cooperatives who are starting to start to be formed or, or or who have formed i mean india's got great heritage of of cooperatives i think it's one of the largest cooperatives in the world is based there i think it's a milk cooperative gujarati milk cooperative and so, and so there's those those kind of that cooperation or or that 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 coming together already exists and so it's, it's kind of enabling those organizations to then also better look after the interests of their members through being able to i suppose control the flow of data and, and protect their protect the workers from that extraction which might make them more vulnerable so yes it's not uh, it's still in discussion 
thanks very much for that for that final question and uh, thanks again to uh, Julian for such an interesting talk and for answering the uh, audience's questions um, and thanks uh, too to, to the audience for joining us today um, if you'd like to watch again uh, later on today we'll be uploading this talk onto YouTube uh, so you'll be able to find it on our on our channel um, just before you go I just want to give a quick plug to the ODI summit um, it's focused on data people this year and it's on the 2nd of November. Um, so visit our website, theodi.org for your tickets. But what's more, um, we can offer you a 20% discount. So if you put the code LL-20, that's LL-20, uh, you'll get 20% off. And let me just put that in the chat. Okay, that's done. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Julian. And uh, thanks, everyone. Have lovely weekends. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute.